Welcome to Coffee in Space, brought to you by Anne Corlett's The Author Toolbox. Learn to be a better writer by creating smarter characters, more concise plots, and understanding the mechanics of POV, voice, tone, and so much more. Special introductory rates available for a limited time. Visit www.annecorlett.co.uk for more information. Link in the show notes. everyone, Dan Smith here, the host of the Coffee in Space. I am glad that you've chosen to join me today on the show. Uh, no guests today in the studio. I want to talk about characters and their journeys and kind of explain the reason that I've shifted the show's format a little bit recently. Some of you may have noticed that I've started talking more about the characters and the journey that they go on, the journey they take, uh, as opposed to kind of the path to publication that the author took. And so while we still have the author's viewpoint, it's more about the story itself, the plot itself, as opposed to uh, the publication process and the world building. And and so while there are, are tons of good, a great even, podcasts out there that do still talk about a path of publication and the author's uh, life and, and things of that nature. I've shifted mine a little bit to talk more about the characters, to bring the characters to life, because, of course, that's what every author wants to do anyway uh, inside their story. And so I think, well, what if I helped that process? How, Or, or more importantly, what if I helped bring um, the characters that we already love on the page, what if I could help bring them in a, a deeper light to my audience and to the audience for that particular author. And so so this is going to be an opportunity for me to explain that to you, to, to talk about it a little bit. Um, and so I'm glad you're with me today. Just to set the stage, Coffee in Space is a podcast about the journey, our characters, actually, our friends. Uh, it's about the journeys that our friends take. It's a celebration of turning the final page, reading those dreaded words, the end, and immediately missing the story, missing our friends. That's what I want this podcast to be about. Think for a moment about those characters you've missed over time. I think about them periodically myself. For example, one of my favorite uh, recent-ish is Pounce from C. Robert Cargill's Day Zero. Uh, Pounce is a nanny bot who finds himself having to decide between killing his charge and protecting him. Uh, The little boy's name is Ezra. Um, So he's got to decide between either protecting Ezra from the other bots who have now become uh, sentient and want all humans dead, or joining in them and and killing his charge. Uh, It's not the robot uprising that sells the story. There are plenty of good robot uprising uh, books and movies available. Um, It's Pounce. It's Pounce and his friend Ezra, the boy who thinks that he's more mature than he really is, the robot who doesn't know if he's making the decisions because he's become more human, that he really is a sentient being, or if he's just been programmed to protect the boy. I tell you what, with Pounce, like I would pick up a blaster and fight alongside Pounce any day because I grew to love Pounce. I want Pounce on my side. And so, odds be damned, I want to fight next to Pounce as he does, as he goes through this process of trying to figure out his own humanity, his own sentience. And and the end of the book, 
I was in tears, like not wet eyelids. I was in tears. There are plenty of good stories about robots, like I've said. There are plenty of good apocalyptic, uh, apocalypse stories about that sort of thing. But the Terminator cannot hold a candle to pounce. I don't give a lot of five-star reviews. I'm actually kind of against it. I've talked about it before. But Pounce earned a five-star review for Cargill in my book. Robots, or even science fiction, aren't the only thing that make me cry. Believe it or not. In fact, I flat-out bawled toward the end of Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. I, I didn't even read the book until I was in my 40s. Now, I want to claim that I cried because I was suffering from a bout of COVID when I read it in February of 2021. But the fact is... When Phoebe Caulfield shows up with a suitcase, ready to abandon all for the sake of being with her brother, even as her brother's uh, falling ill and headed for a mental breakdown, I bawled. That moment got me. Why? Why did it hit me so hard? Because my little sister wouldn't let me go the morning I left for the Navy, uh, gosh, 26 years ago today. She was about the same age as Phoebe was back then, so the the age of Phoebe in the book and the age of my sister when I left for the Navy, about the same. And because my sister's gone, and all I have left of her are memories and photographs, I saw her in Phoebe, and I cried. And I would do anything to have another page or two to enjoy the care, concern, and sibling understanding that Phoebe and Holden Caulfield, Caulfield had for each other. It's just... That's that's the power of a good character, a well-written character. That is a character who has come alive. That is what I want to celebrate, and that's what I am celebrating on this show. And I, I want you to celebrate that right next to me and enjoy it with me. Of course, it's not all about tears. Plenty of books don't leave me in tears, but they leave an impact. And I think of Leviathan Wakes off the top of my head. The first book in the Expanse series came out years and years ago. Um, by the way, the Sci-Fi Channel did it did it very well that first season. It since got bought by Amazon, and it's finished up um, its seasons. And the book series is also finished up now. But the, the Sci-Fi show did a pretty good job of capturing Detective Miller. And, of course, Thomas Jane is a master of the hard-boiled character. But, of course, I think the book did it a little bit better. We get to feel the things Miller feels. We get to know what he thinks about his own failures. And he's got a lot of them. We get to see him struggle to be taken seriously again. I get to feel his emotion as he tries to become a better person, if only to help a dead girl find justice. Leviathan Wakes is the best book in that series. Easy answer. And Miller is why. I read that book nearly a decade ago. Doesn't matter. If they'd write 10 books about Miller, I'd buy them all just to reward them for their efforts. And I do speak of two authors, of course. Man, I might even write fanfic about it now that I think about it. I I appreciate Miller that much, and I appreciate the way they did that character. Hey, speaking of detectives, John Scalzi breaks my heart daily by not writing another book about FBI special agent Chris Shane, who lives his life via a golem because he's locked in at, uh, into his head after contracting a virus that became known as Hayden's Syndrome. Millions are in the same state as him. I appreciate the plot. I appreciate the backstory, maybe even more in light of COVID. Skulls is a master at all of that while keeping it from becoming too dark. But I loved is his character. Shane isn't the only one in the book that makes me feel that way. Uh, Leslie Vaughn, the veteran agent he's paired with, uh, is fantastically written. 
She's exactly what I want in a lead, experienced veteran, flawed but reliable. Authentic is the word that I would use for her. I say all that in past tense because I can't spend more time with them. Thanks, Scalzi. To be fair, I did get one more book with them, but come on, man. This could have been a series, and readers like me would have rewarded you for every stinking volume. These aren't the only books that drive me to despair over characters and their journeys and the fact that I don't get to be with the character anymore. Derek Kunskin knows exactly what he did to upset me at the end of House of Sticks, and I won't talk about it too much because the book's still fairly fresh, and the book two of that series is coming out in the coming months. So I won't talk too much about it, but he knows what I, what he did. I, I've mentioned it to him. No restraining order, thankfully. Hopefully not ever coming. I, but, I, but I miss the character, uh, and I miss these characters like I miss a friend. And I think that's what I've always wanted to capture uh, in my own writing and in, and in just in reading. And in fact, a book isn't going to grab me and I'm not going to keep reading it if the character doesn't grab me, if the character doesn't become something more to me than just words on a page. Let me tell you one, one of my favorite characters, Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, that Jean-Luc Picard, who I already loved, but learned to care about more than ever through Una McCormack's book, the Last Best Hope. Thank you, Una, for giving me a Picard I didn't realize I wanted. And let me just say, he's... Spoiler alert. Holy continuum, Batman. Did they settle Q's story arc in season two of Picard? The way that he was able to see himself passing on, knowing that he needed to fix his relationship with Jean-Luc, and how he made his amends were both touching... And, of course, Q. How Q would have done it. Now, some of you will be upset about how they use Q's pending death as a plot device. I get that. But the nice thing about Star Trek Picard is it allowed the writers to finish character arcs that weren't as locked up in TNG and the associated movies. Of course, I mean how we saw Data properly laid to rest in Season 1, and now Q gets his send-off in Season 2. And isn't that what a what a character we love is all about. I want to know that the characters I loved, or in Q's case, love to hate. I want to know that they were treated well by the writers and the producers. And by the way, I know not everyone is happy with how Q was treated. Many people feel that the, the writers left canon. They have felt that about all of Star Trek Picard. I felt that personally about Star Trek Discovery, that, uh, that canon was left behind. And speaking of characters in canon, let me give you another example that I think a lot of people right now are going to resonate with. It's another uh, uh, television show. It's it's through Paramount. Master Chief finally got his own show. Halo, a game which I played in the early 2000s, has now come to the small screen. I haven't played the more recent versions because of the style of gaming I do like to do. I'm more of a strategy gamer, but uh, but I definitely enjoy the first-person shooter that it is on uh, several uh, occasions, both in the original and in uh, subsequent titles. Like Star Trek, Halo has a lot of diehard fans. Fans who know what they want in a character. They know what they want the character to act like, to be like. And of course, the main character is Master Chief. We all know what we think of him. And just like I know what I think Spock should be, going back to the Star Trek example, I know what Master Chief should be, who he should be. So, duh, people are upset that the new TV show on Paramount doesn't follow the books or the games as closely as maybe it ought to. 
at least not close enough. And a lot of people shout about canon and leaving script, including Marcus Leto, who worked on some of the original games. But that's what strong character does to us. It makes us upset when we feel the character wasn't treated properly. Because we feel as though someone we love and we trust and we value isn't being respected by those who have control over them. For the record, the whole relationship with Spock and Michael Burnham is just all wrong, in my opinion. Una McCormack, however, author of several Star Trek novels, helped me to see that maybe it's okay for folks to enjoy the characters that they are now, even if it's different than what I love. But because of my love for Spock, I can understand others' love and anger about Master Chief. It's the power of a loved character. Uh, I would even say a beloved character. Okay, I've left books, and I need to get back to books. Let me talk about books and characters some more. Anne Leckie brought me to a deeper understanding of the future character of AI with her spaceship-turned-human named Breck, and I still think about Breck from time to time. Breck's style is a cross between a human and AI leaning more human because of her situation. I've highly recommended Ancillary Justice in the past. I still think it's an amazing book. I think you should read it. The really neat thing about characters is that they'll have you thinking about them long after you finish the story. In addition to what I've already mentioned, I read about Otto Prohaska, a World War I submarine captain created by British author John Biggins. I read that book in 2017 on deployment. And I still think about him and the insurmountable odds he fought against. Come to think about it, Lothar Gunther Belkum, I'm sorry for the mispronunciation, I'm sure I just did, but he was the author of the World War II classic Das Boot. He still has me thinking about a crew of U-96, and I read that book as a teenager 30, 35 years ago. That is the power of a well-written and well-developed character. Finally, Bo Young Kim, a South Korean science fiction author, still has me thinking about two star-crossed lovers as they literally crossed time and space to find each other. Their love story was uh, was captured in the course of two novelettes in in the novel, um, uh, in the novel "I'm Waiting for You" and other stories. I think you should get this. I think you should get it for these two novelettes alone. But there are plenty of other good stories in there. And here's what I posted on Goodreads when it was over. I said, and I quote, and that ending, that freaking ending, I just set my Kindle down carefully on my bed, said a few choice words, and basked in the afterglow of one of the greatest stories I've ever read. Get a hold of I'm Waiting for You and Other Stories by Bo Young Kim. You'll be so glad you did. And it's not just the emotional connection between reader and character either. Characters are, and some will not like this, some of you will not like this. I can say that I don't like it every time I see it. But characters are also designed to convey something important to the writer, a mission that the writer has, a stand that the writer wants to take, a, a cause that the author wants to to fight for, something important to the writer. Sometimes that something is just a piece of who they are. Sometimes, particularly in science fiction and religious fantasy, it is to convey a message. And that is the power, again, of a well-written character and their journey, that they are that the author is able to use that experience to draw us in and to discuss a theme uh, in, in perhaps a more real and authentic way. And I appreciate it when it happens. When it's done well, I appreciate it. When it's preachy, well, the character is not alive. It's just words on a page. So it has to be done carefully. I'm going to make a promise to you. I promise that you, 
the passionate reader who falls in love with characters and misses them after they're gone. You. You have a home here at Coffee in Space. Yes, mostly we'll deal with science fiction characters, fantasy characters, and their stories. But no matter the genre, we will celebrate falling in love in story form, the feeling of sadness at the end, and the thought of friends we'll never forget. So that's my promise to you. And I hope you'll keep me accountable to that promise. Write me anytime at comments at coffeeinspacepodcast.com or tweet me at author Dan Smith on Twitter. If you're new to my show, go to www.coffeeinspacepodcast.com to learn more about my episodes, to find out more about the show. And if you know another passionate reader of science fiction or fantasy who would love to listen to this show, who would uh, love to fall in love with characters like I do and like you do, please share this with them. You can do it straight from the app or via email. And I want you to join me next week as we look into another character and discover their story over a cup of coffee in space. Oh.